Uh, Liz and I only met this morning. Uh, Liz is from, from Young Life, uh, and we all discovered that we had a, a mutual friend that we knew through Young Life, and um, we're looking forward to hearing, Liz, what you have to say to us this morning. So let me just pray for you in this space right now. Loving God, we pray for Liz as she comes to share with us some of her story, and we pray that as we hear the words from her mouth, that we would also be inspired by what she has to say, and that you will be a transforming presence in, in this room this morning. Uh, may her words be ones that are from you, Lord, and, and we pray that we'll have open ears and open hearts to, to hear from her and, and be willing to be, be challenged and to be willing to be transformed by your, your amazing power, Lord. Uh, we thank you for Liz and her ministry already and pray that she will feel like she's amongst friends in this space as we listen attentively, attentively Lord. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for having me here today. I haven't done a lot of public speaking to date, but I really appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you. Um, from what I hear and see, the community here is really strong, and which is a credit to all of you. And I've got to say, the um, Celebration Bowl was one of the sweetest things that I've ever been a part of, so that was awesome. Um, I visited the Hub a number of times, over the years, and it's a really great welcoming space. Um, I think you're really fortunate to have Becky leading the team here. Becky was my youth pastor when I first became a Christian. She's been an amazing support and encouragement to me over the years. Um, So a bit of an introduction to myself. My name's Liz Merritt. I um, am a mum to a two-year-old girl named Grace, and my husband and I are expecting our second in October. (laughs) Yes. I work for Young Life Australia, which is a not-for-profit. We aim, at, aim to connect with young people in their world. So we run pancake breakfasts, drop-in spaces, youth group-type events, um, camps, mentoring, as well as just walking alongside young people searching for guidance or even just acceptance. Um, I'd love to talk to you more about Young Life and all the opportunities there are to get involved, and there's a lot. But first, I'd like to share with you why it's important to me. My home church is Redemption Church in Ringwood, but I'm lucky enough to be sharing with you today. Becky tells me that you guys are working through the kingdom of God, so I just wanted to share a couple of stories with you today. I wanted to share a bit about my story, a story about um, a guy that comes to the drop-in space every week, as well as a little bit about what Jesus shares about being part of a community. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've shared your word with us and that it lives and breathes within us. Thank you for sending your son to model what life looks like in a community. Pray that you would guide my words and help me to honour you as we consider what it is to be part of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I grew up in a big blended family with step, half and not really siblings from both of my parents' first marriages. Aside from one of my brothers having a brief foray into the local youth group, there was really no religious influence in our house. When I was in high school, my, one of my brothers um, got addicted to drugs. So it led to a pretty turbulent time in our household with a lot of fights and threats um, between him and my parents. I was often the one in the corner holding the phone, ready to call the cops if the fights got too violent. Um, Aside, despite all of this, I was closer to him than any of my other siblings. This turbulent time um, culminated in his overdose in 2000 and led me down a pretty reckless and depressive road. 
actually landed me in this special class for potential dropouts at school. Around this time, there were a group of young adults coming into school and hanging out at lunchtimes. They took the time to stop and talk with me and get to know me. They did this youth group thing on a Friday night and invited me to come along. After talking with them for um, a, a little while, I started going along with my friends and this became our regular event. These people were kind to me and I didn't, I didn't know why. They accepted me regardless of whatever else was going on and they cared for me even though everybody else had seemingly given up. They encouraged me and they shared their lives with me. Months later, I went to a Young Life summer camp and I really started to learn who this Jesus guy was. Um, and then I, it was then that I really started to understand why these people were so caring to me. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. And that was certainly true of these people caring for me. Fast forward 18 years and I'm still involved in Young Life. Only now I get to be that adult that accepts and cares. There's this guy that comes along to our, to our um, drop-in space every week. He, um, he's in year eight and he is full of energy, larger than life. There's days where he didn't actually go to school, but he came to the drop-in space. Or there was one day where school got out early, so nobody came, but he did. It's often that at five o'clock, we're kind of like, come on, mate, it's probably time you headed home. We had a, we had a school meeting with um, the school that he goes to, which was just, it was just a meeting to get to know these people, um, introduce ourselves, get to know the wellbeing team, and just share about what we're doing. Because um, most of the kids going to this space are from that school. And this guy came up in conversation. As it turned out, he's really disruptive in class. He often sips classes, and he's had more suspensions than I can count. They were shocked to hear how well he had responded to the drop-in space. And we were shocked to be hearing about this guy that sounded nothing like this guy that we met each week. Um, in the drop-in space, we play games, we serve food, have a bit of fun. To be honest, some days I head home absolutely exhausted. The energy from these young people is full on. But it's amazing to have the opportunity to share this love, Jesus' love, to the people I wouldn't normally see in my day-to-day. And again, I have the strength and the desire to do this because God loved me first. The last story you may have already heard. A proud lawyer had just sat through a sermon. He stands up and asks the teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The teacher said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. The teacher responds that he's answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. But seemingly this is a bit too broad for the lawyer. So he asks for specifics. Who is my neighbour? Jesus then shares a story about a man that was robbed, beaten and left to die. A priest was walking down the road, saw him, and crossed the road so that he didn't have to interact with him. Similarly, a Levite walked down the road and across the road to avoid him. But a Samaritan saw him and had compassion. 
He bandaged him up, set him on his animal, and brought him to an inn where he took care of him. He then paid for the stranger to be cared for and said he'd come back to pay for anything else owed. Jesus then asked the lawyer, which of these three proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I think most of us have heard this parable preached on and it's it's, um, pretty familiar to us. I think that the danger here is it becomes so comfortably familiar that it stops impacting us. The beauty of the Bible is that we can open it countless times and still glean something different from it every time we open it. This last week in preparing for today, I was really impacted by Jesus' interaction with the lawyer. To be honest, I, I really felt like the lawyer. As lawyers do, he's... He's trying to find a loophole. No, but but really, who is my neighbour? Surely you just mean Johnny next door. He's really nice. He sprays my weeds from time to time. I'm nice to him. Surely you don't mean those people over there because they believe something different to me. Or not that guy because he's he's treated me really badly lately. I think it's a trap that we all fall into from time to time. Often I've heard the importance of the Samaritan being opposed to the Jews. This was really important to the lawyer and the Jewish people listening to this story. They viewed Samaritans with hostility and suspicion. And Jesus had made their enemy, a Samaritan, the hero of the story. In today's relevance, it would be like Hitler caring for a Jew. Or the big four banks caring for the well-being of their customers. This is one one point I feel important to pick up on. We're often very quick to start judging and excluding people from our community. The Apostle Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 6-9 quite an extensive list of unrighteous acts that will not inherit the kingdom of God. We subconsciously rank these acts in how much we're willing to accept, but God sees them all the same. They're all sinners requiring Jesus' salvation. For us, this means that we should be looking to love our neighbours first, not judging who's worth our love. This includes people of a different denomination, of a different faith, of a different race or culture, or of a different sexual orientation. All of these people need Jesus more than ever. And how will they see Jesus if not through our love? An interesting omission from the story Jesus shared was the reason or the excuse for the priest or the Levite avoiding the dying man. Were they running late? Were they worried about touching an unclean person? Were they worried that they would be attacked themselves? We're not told. Seemingly, the reasons are irrelevant to Jesus. There are no loopholes, no excuses. Everyone's our neighbour and we should love them as we love ourselves. I don't wait until I'm in extreme need to help myself. So why should I wait to be helping others? This is how we're called to love our neighbour as ourselves. At the start of the story, the lawyer asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? After Jesus' initial response of, hey mate, you're the lawyer, what does the law say? Jesus responds that, Loving our God and loving our neighbour is the answer. 
Jesus' response to the lawyer is a challenge. Who do you love as well as the good Samaritan loves? Go and do likewise. The Samaritan had compassion for the injured man. He went towards somebody who wouldn't do the same if the tables were turned. He took the care to clean his wounds and make sure the man was safely looked after. This meant giving up his transport and walking alongside with the man on his donkey, which was quite inconvenient. He's paid for the man to stay at the inn and essentially handed over a credit card with no limit, telling the innkeeper, whatever more you spend, I will repay you. The only person that's ever been able to do this is the ultimate good Samaritan, Jesus. He came toward us and healed our brokenness. He shared our teachings and his love with us and had compassion at such a great cost, the cost of his life in place of ours. In 2 Corinthians, we're called to be Christ ambassadors. I'm a Christian because somebody was a Christ ambassador to me. But more than that, they knew the ultimate Good Samaritan. Jesus Christ came so that we could have a relationship with God our Father. God loves us, even though we don't deserve it. We need to remember to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our minds and love our neighbours as ourselves. This story is not merely a story about being good to the lady next door. The story is a reminder of our need for a saviour. Without Jesus, there's no way we could possibly love everyone the way the Good Samaritan has. For without this love and this example, we can't hope to be transformed into being the neighbour that we're called to be. The beauty of this is that he did it for us. He loved us and showed us the way. And now it's our turn to love others in his name. So what does this look like practically? Well, think about who our neighbours are. Think about what they might need. How best they can be loved in a way that's actually helpful, not just in a way that's convenient to ourselves. Is it a lonely neighbour that might want to share a meal? Is it a person at work going through a really tough time that would just love to chat about it? Is it a new mum surrounded by loads of washing that you could put on? Is it a good friend that's never heard about Jesus? Is it a stranger asking for help? Shameless plug, maybe it's a charity you've been impacted by that you'd like to financially support. (laughs) Maybe you'd like to come and hang out with young people a few hours a week and make them feel welcome and accepted or serve pancakes to hungry teenagers or come and serve on a summer camp in January. I wouldn't be standing here today if somebody hadn't seen me as their neighbour and shared Christ with me. Who in your family and friends have been impacted by somebody seeing them as their neighbour? My life's been positively impacted in ways that I can't comprehend just because someone loved me as Jesus loved them and saw me as their neighbour. I'm hugely passionate about Young Life Ministry through having received it, but now also being able to share this love with others. If you'd like to chat to me about anything I've shared today, I would love to talk to you. But what I would love even more is for you to be encouraged to go out in our beautiful world and see the immense opportunities available to us to share Jesus with those around us. Be it a young person, the lady next door, your family or friends, your colleague, somebody at school, 
or the beggar on the street. They're all our neighbours and we're called to love them all. No loopholes, no excuses. Look to Jesus, the ultimate Good Samaritan, who shared this story as he was heading to his death in Jerusalem. He saved our lives, freed us from slavery and paid for it all. It's not a burden, but it's a gift given to us through Jesus' sacrifice and God's grace. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love and your saving grace. Thank you for the example in Jesus of how to love. We confess there have been times that we've justified our sin in choosing who to love and how to love. We pray you would help us see our sin and humble ourselves turning away from our self-righteousness to see our need for a saviour. Thank you for the opportunity to share your love with our community, our neighbours. We pray that you would be open, that we pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities all around us to love our neighbours and pray that we would be bold in those instances. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen.